Good morning, everyone. My name is Rob. If you're here for the first time today, I'm one of the pastors. It's really great to have you join us. Uh, good morning to those of you who are watching online as well. We're going to be looking at Romans chapter 12 in a few minutes. So if you want to get your Bibles or your Bible app open, uh, that would be helpful. Whenever I'm about to go on a trip or a vacation, um, I have a really, really hard time the day before sleeping because I'm kind of really excited. And so if we're getting up the next morning to go on a road trip or fly somewhere, the night before, um, you know, I can barely go to sleep and in the morning I wake up at 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning because I'm really, really, really anticipating uh, the opportunity before me. And in this season today, I kind of feel the same way because we're kind of embarking over these next three weeks on an exciting adventure together, and we really, really hope that you will join us. Um, I'll go into it a little bit more details at the end, but we're going to be inviting you uh, twice a day for the next three weeks to participate in a very brief spiritual practice that we hope will create space for you uh, to meet the Lord in really meaningful and significant ways. And so we're just looking forward to doing this together as a church family in this season, just to kind of set this practice. We're going to give you some resources for that. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But our hope is, our hope is really simple, that if you and I would spend more time and be a little bit more attentive to the Lord's work in our life, only good things can happen. Maybe not easy things, but good things. And so we're looking forward to this challenge together for a number of reasons. Uh, maybe today you would just say, you know what? I'm really weary and I'm just really tired and I need something to kind of uh, just get me going here. The resource that we're going to invite you to participate in, uh, that I'll tell you about a little bit later, it's really easy to participate in. You don't have to do a whole lot of preparation and you can take your time and energy and focus them on the most important thing, which is showing up into the Lord's presence, hands and heart open, ready for him to speak to you. I know for others of you, you might just say, you know, my faith my faith needs some renewing. Uh, if you think if you've ever been outside at a bonfire, there's an ember there and the fire dies down and the glow of the ember starts to fade and then you have to kind of fan it back into flame through oxygen or through air somehow and kind of to bring that coal back to life. In the same way, maybe you would say, that's what I need for my faith right now. It's waned, it's dimming and we hope that this um, practice that you will participate in um, twice a day on your own time will have that experience and that, that fruit in your own life, that it will renew your faith and bring some things back to life. I know for others of you, you would say, you know, I'm a Christian, but I'm not really sure how it is that I grow in my faith. Maybe you had this experience when you were a new, you know, before you became a Christian, everybody was after you to become a Christian. I mean, it was a full court press. I mean, it was your family, it was your friends. They were sending you emails, text messages. Saturday before church, you were getting 17 phone calls. You've got to come, you've got to come. People were hiding uh, Bible verses in your lunchbox. You'd wake up in the morning and your mom would have written a Bible verse on the mirror. It was this full court press to try to get you to open your heart to Christ in faith. And you did. You opened your heart, you received faith, you began this new journey, but then you didn't know what to do next. And no one really told you. They just kind of high five, see you in heaven, and they took off and just kind of left you there, not really sure how is it that I'm actually supposed to be a Christian now because it's seeming to be a lot harder than I first 
imagine. And so they give you a WWJD bracelet. What would Jesus do? And say, just, you know, refer to this. And here's a 50-pound Bible with a Bible dictionary and maps and concordances. And you just kind of feel overwhelmed. And you're not really sure. How is it that I actually grow in my faith? And last week we talked about the goal is that we would become more and more like Jesus. That the longer we follow Christ, there would be something going on in our hearts where over time, our lives reflect the character and the quality of the person of Jesus Christ because of the Holy Spirit living in us. That it's almost as if Jesus was living his life through our life. And there's this expectation. We want to raise the expectation in all of our lives that God is at work in doing something in us. Maybe I, I joked last week about the person who maybe you know, has been following Jesus for 30 years. And they're still as mean and angry and self-centered as they were 30 years ago. I think we would all say, that's wrong. It It shouldn't be that way. There should be some expectation that the longer we walk with the Lord, that there is a sense of transformation that's going on in our hearts. And we believe that that happens as you participate in spiritual habits. That there's things that you and I do to position ourselves in order that God can do that work in us. In the same way that when you're sailing, you position your sails to catch the wind in order to travel. In the same way spiritual growth happens as we position ourselves in the presence of God, hands and heart open. So that God can do the transforming work that he wants to do in our lives. And the way this series is going to work is we're going to assume, so you can humor me a little, we're going to assume that the majority of you are going to be participating in this practice twice a day for the next three weeks. Now, while I might be a bit of an idealist, I'm also a little bit of a realist. I know that won't be true for all of us all the time. However, I hope that there is some that you're participating at some level because the messages and the way we're going to gear the teaching time throughout the series is to help you kind of as you work through that process of boy I'm spending time with the Lord here's some things that are happening and then we're going to talk about them here to kind of coach and help you along in this participation in these spiritual habits and so last week we started by talking about the goal is transformation that the longer we follow Christ He starts to transform us into the likeness of his son. And today I want to talk about a theme that I think all of us will encounter as we participate in this series, and that is a call to holiness. A call to holiness. That is that our lives would take on a quality of holiness. Now, I don't know what comes to mind when you you hear the word holiness. If someone is holy, maybe you think, holier than thou, better than you. I'm not sure what images come to mind. When I think of someone who calls themselves holy, I think of dour, stern, restrained, uh, playing life safe, doing everything they can not to get in trouble with God, and just kind of living cautiously. Now, that's not right, and that's not accurate, but that's what immediately comes to my mind when I think of the word holy. The word holy actually means to be set apart, unique in a divine quality, that God is not like us. His ways are not like our ways. 
And the scriptures say that just as God is holy, you and I also ought to be holy. 1 Peter 1, 14 to 16 says this. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. That is, before you had the knowledge of God. But just as he who has called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Any questions? Just go get holy. Well, this is the question. How does that happen? Holiness is about removing the things in our life that cause us to sin or that take us or take our time and distract us from the work that God is wanting to do in our lives. I've used this metaphor with you before, that of a garden, that you plant a garden, maybe it's flowers, maybe it's vegetables, hoping that they will grow up and that they will flourish, that when the rain falls on them, they will get all the rain. When the sun shines, they will get all the sun. But then you have weeds that pop up in the soil, and weeds steal the sunshine. They steal the nutrients from the soil. They steal the water. They're sideways energy. They can disrupt and sometimes kill the plants that you're trying to grow. And so you go out to the garden and you start plucking weeds out of the garden. A very lovely task as a young boy who spent many hours doing this. Holiness is weeding the garden of our hearts and paying attention to those things that might be growing that need to be removed, that need to be taken away so that we can grow, so that we can flourish, so that we can flourish. And as we start practicing spiritual habits, as you start spending time in the morning and in the evening each day with the word of God and prayer and reflecting, there's going to be moments, I can guarantee it, (laughs) this is your warning Or the Lord is going to speak to you about some weeds in the garden of your heart that need attending to. And you're going to have a choice to make, like we all do. I can ignore God's word and let the weed grow. Or in faith, I can, through his grace, surrender to his word and deal with the thing that he is asking me to deal with. Because here's the thing. The fruit of holiness is joy. God wants to grow and flourish in our hearts that there would be the fruit of joy. I love there's a passage in in the book of Nehemiah chapter 8 where God's people were rebuilding the walls around Jerusalem. Uh, they were getting, trying to fortify their nation together. But it was what their, their physical work was symbolic of the spiritual work that they were doing in their lives to get ready to rededicate themselves to the Lord. And as they were gathered around, uh, we read these verses from Nehemiah chapter 8. This day is a holy day. It's holy. It's set apart. This day is a holy day to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way. Eat the fat and drink the sweet wine. And in Hebrew, the sweet wine literally means Welch's grape juice. And send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. I love that line, the joy of the Lord 
is your strength. I think this is a great definition of what holiness looks like in our lives. When we discover that the very thing that brings God joy is the thing that brings us joy, it renews and revitalizes us and our faith. When the very thing that God wants for our life becomes the thing that we want for our life. Now we are walking in faith and that has a revitalizing, strengthening effect on our lives. And our hope is that as we spend time with the Lord and he points out weeds in the garden that need to be attending and we remove them, life will break forth. Joy will break forth in our lives and it will revitalize our faith so that we can be transformed into the likeness of his son so that we can experience holiness and be set apart for the Lord, so that we can align our life with the Lord's life, and that our lives will look like as if Jesus is living his life through us. So let's turn to Romans chapter 12. Very long intro, my apologies. Romans chapter 12. I'm just going to look at the first three verses as we think today about becoming people who are paying attention to the holiness that God wants to cultivate in our hearts. Romans chapter 3, or chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. Now before I read them, let me just give you a quick summary. Romans is this incredible book, uh, one of the most incredible books, thick but incredible in in the New Testament, and it's kind of broken into four sections. Chapter 12 is the beginning of the fourth section, so let me just bring you uh, a quick summary. Uh, The first section in the book of Romans It's the section where we discover that we are far from God. We have sinned. And no amount of good works, no amount of using your Bible app twice a day for three weeks can ever reconcile the lostness and the brokenness we have with our Heavenly Father because of our sin. The gavel falls and we are declared guilty. That is the first section of the book of Romans. The second section is the section where it talks about how Christ comes and takes the place in in our place for our sin and provides, the big word is justification. And it helps me when I think about what that word means. It's just as if I've never sinned. That when we welcome Christ as Lord of our lives, when God looks at us, it's just as if we've never sinned. It's given to us because of Christ. The third section is about the Holy Spirit and uh, the work that God is going to do leading us forward. And then in Romans chapter 12, it kicks off these incredible number of chapters, three more chapters um, that are fantastic. Let me just read the first three verses of chapter 12. Therefore, having thought about all those three sections, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. Let me just make a few comments about this, the, what Paul is talking about here is it relates to the journey that we're going to be on and the call to holiness. The first is, in view of God's mercy, we give all of our life to the Lord. I love that Paul says it here, in view of God's mercy. Thinking about the fact that the gavel has fallen, we have been declared guilty. 
given the fact that Jesus stands in our place and offers us to be justified, in view of the fact that the Holy Spirit now lives in us and is no longer any condemnation and we are free in Christ, in view of all of that, let's give ourselves fully to the Lord. This is a call from Paul for all of us to live eyes wide open to the mercies of God. Not just Sunday mornings, not just eight minutes in the evening and two minutes in the night, uh, but to give our full selves to the Lord. Imagine if you bought a house and you moved into the house and you realized the previous owners still lived upstairs a bit. Or you took a new job and you went, showed up at the office building and you said to your boss, thanks for the new job. If you don't mind, I'm going to work a day and a half at my old boss. I'm just going to slip, slip away on Thursday afternoons and Fridays and I'll, and I'll be working for him. I hope you don't mind. <laughs> Paul says, in view of the mercy of God and all that he has done to purchase us and to redeem us, we give our full selves to him. Some translations use this language. This is your spiritual act of worship or your reasonable service to God or this is the best way to use your life. Now in Paul's day, there was a a common attitude was to create compartments for your life. Two in particular, there was your spirit and there was your body. And it was in your spirit that you came to faith. That's kind of where your faith resided and your body just kind of lugged your spirit around. (laughs) which kind of meant you could do whatever you liked with your body because they were separate. And what you did with your body did not contaminate your faith at all. They had compartments. So when Paul says, give your bodies as an act of worship, he's saying, give your whole self. Give your whole self to the Lord. I think it'll be a temptation uh, when you get into this practice to keep Um, from having compartments in your life I think there's going to be the temptation to say oh sweet I did my devotion in the morning I did it at night the rest of the day is mine I can do what I like now and to start to view this way our hope is that when you start the day in the start your morning with the Lord it'll leak into the rest of your day that as you read scripture in the morning or have scripture read to you in the morning, that now you're putting that scripture in the hands of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit can apply it to your life at any point during the day, at any point the Spirit needs to or wants to. So there's no longer an inch or a corner or a segment or a portion of our life that we have compartmentalized and kept out of the Lord's reach. I'm giving you a heads up. There's going to be moments where you're going to read a passage of Scripture and the theme of that day is going to start poking and prodding in places that you've tried to keep out of reach of the Lord. And you're going to be faced with a choice in that moment. Is this what I really want? Do I really trust the Lord to lead over this area of my life? The next thing that Paul kind of talks about in this theme is learning to see that the gospel that is pervasive in our culture is empty. It's empty. As though a trip or a car or a certain home or a certain postal code or a certain kind of family or any kind of relaxed, chilled out state, any kind of following your heart will ultimately give you fulfillment and contentment. We often hear people say that's a lot of pressure to put on your house, on your electronics, or on the people 
in your life. Moving towards holiness means knowing God is our ultimate reward. He's the ultimate one who can satisfy us through his grace and through his mercy. So let a car be a car. Let a house be a house. Let your spouse be a spouse and not the answer to your deep spiritual need. Let your kids be kids and not be the thing that's going to make you ultimately happy. It's a lot of pressure to put in that expectation on any one of us. When we come to Christ, we remember that he is the one who satisfies our soul. And the longer we walk with Christ, there should be this sense that we're becoming more and more aware of the emptiness of the gospel of our culture, which is really you being happy through your own means and efforts. It's a peace and a contentment that does not require the Lord at all. And the longer we walk with Christ, it should become clearer and clearer to us that's never going to make a difference in our heart. But our attitude about that changes too. Sometimes there can be a temptation, and we see it in the church sometimes, that the church is always angry at everybody. Kind of culture haters, we become, have an attitude of contempt or arrogance or anger to anybody who's not a person of faith, to anybody who's living a lifestyle that we might say is not God's way. But when Jesus is king of our hearts, that gets replaced by compassion. Remember Jesus was standing looking over the city of Jerusalem, the people who turned their backs on him. And he said, the scriptures say, that he was moved to compassion for they were like a sheep without a shepherd. One of the signs that you and I are maturing in our faith and becoming more and more like Christ is first we're noticing the emptiness of the culture around us and the things that people look for, and it's accompanied with a compassion for them, that God would move in their hearts and they would no longer be lost. I'll just say this one final thing. Working on holiness, paying attention to what's going on in your heart, weeding out the weeds that need to go to make room for the flourishing work of Christ is the greatest gift you can give to the people around you. It's the greatest gift you can give to your friends, to the people that share a house with you, and to your coworkers. Is a transformed self. To be a disciple who's attentive to the work that God wants to do in our life and us have ourselves growing in more grace, more peace, more hope, more correction, more joy. If you start becoming more patient, kind, loving, if you become the kind of the person where the Spirit of God has its way in you, your people around you will thank you. You'll be better to live with. And when God says no to you about something that you want to do, it's probably because you're going to make a mess of your life, and that mess is going to impact the people around you as well. You'll be glad you didn't make a mess when you respond attentively to the Spirit's work. It's the greatest gift you can give to the people around you. In fact, if you're a boss today, or if you have a meeting with your boss tomorrow, maybe tell them, look, I should be allowed to read my Bible and pray for an hour at the beginning of every workday because it'll make me a better person, which will make me a better employee, which will be better for this company. Just try it and see. Where sin wanes, God's fruit will flourish in our life. Where sin and its impact wanes, there's more room for God's life to flourish in our lives.
And that's what we want for you and for me in this series, to create space where we're attentive to God's work in our life and there's flourishing taking place. You received a card when you came in. If not, there's some at the Welcome Center. If you received your weekly church email, there's information in there as well. But I want to, again, go into the specifics of this challenge where we're going to be inviting you to take a simple spiritual practice at the beginning and the end of every day for the next three weeks. This is what we hope you will do. We're giving you a specific app to download um, simply because we really feel it's great, um, it's theologically strong, and it leads you both in scripture, prayer, and reflection. It'll lead you through a simple format each day, P-R-A-Y. First is P for pause. If you've ever come to a time of devotion, to a time of prayer, and your mind has wandered, you've been easily distracted, you're trying to read, but you're wondering who's upstairs and why are they making so much noise? I wonder if that bing in my phone was an email coming in. I wonder what they want. Is it cold outside? I mean, this is my mind. But if you've ever had a hard time focusing, the first few seconds is just to stop and to acknowledge that you are in the presence of God and to be attentive to him in this moment. The second is rejoice. It's usually a, a psalm that you can read that focuses your heart and helps you kind of enter into a worshipful attitude. Um, the next is ask. Uh, in the middle of this practice, it's going to invite you to pray to God and request some things that you might need. And usually there's an opportunity for you to pray for other people as well. And the last is to yield or to surrender. Meaning this, when the app or when the, when the spiritual practice is finished, it's not, yay, now I can do what I want for the rest of the day. But it's now I enter this day with my heart surrendered to the Lord, attentive to see what he might continue to say to me throughout this day. For those of you who might say, I'm a little bit more on the contemplative side, you can actually just play the app. It's got some nice relaxing music, a wonderful British series of British accents, and uh, it'll kind of just, you can listen to the app and it'll lead you through and you can just focus on being attentive to the Lord in that moment. If you're finding this difficult, we are providing a help for you uh, on Mondays at the beginning of each week. And so at 7 tomorrow morning and at 12.30 tomorrow afternoon, we've got a, a Zoom opportunity. Join us on Zoom. We're going to go through the practice together. It'll give you an opportunity to ask some questions or to figure out maybe if you're wondering if you're doing it right or if you just want to share the experience with someone else. You register for those online. So if you want to join me tomorrow morning at 7 a.m., um, you need to register online in order to get the Zoom link. And I encourage you, maybe you want to share this experience with people. Maybe you want to use it as part of the rhythm in your home during the day. Maybe you've got a friend you can call and say, my crazy pastor, they're making us do this crazy exercise and I don't want to have to do it alone. Would you join me in doing it? I invite you to share the opportunity as well. Now let me just say a little something to all of us who have one of these. This is my cell phone. I can see I've got text messages here from my sisters. We play Wordle together every week. Um, this is my phone for work, for email, for keeping track of my hockey teams, for keeping track of news and weather and calendar. 
And as I've used this phone, all of the apps that I use have discipled me to have an attention span of about 0.2 seconds, meaning this. If I open something up and it does not appeal to me in the initial 0.2 seconds, I scroll and I scroll and I move on. And I'm sorry, but I'm done with you. I don't care how great your thing was on Instagram. It does not appeal to me. I'm on to the next thing, on, on, on. So some of you are going to have to do this. You're going to have to tape your fingers together. When you start this practice and you can put your phone in your hand so you are not tempted to just swipe and move on and move on to the next thing and let's move this thing through faster at all. It's going to be a challenge for some of you. This is not about entertainment. This is a tool to create space for you to begin and end each day spending time in the Lord's presence. I'm going to encourage you to try this app that we've suggested for a week. And if at the week you say, I don't like it, it's not working for me, it's not helping me create space, then we've got some other options for you as well. But give it a try, because I know for some of you it'll be a bit of, uh, it'll feel a little bit new. Finally, there's nothing special about the app. Nothing. It's a plate that is going to be there to serve you the word of God and opportunities prayer and that is the win you and I starting and ending each day attentive to the word of God praying allowing his spirit access to our hearts so that we might be changed and I don't know what's going to happen in your life but I'm excited about it I don't know what burdens you're going to leave behind because of this time I don't know what kind of grace is going to get exhibited in your life because of this opportunity that you have spending with the Lord. I don't know what kind of change of course or change of direction that needs to be made that is going to take place because you're undertaking this discipline. But I know this. When you and I spend time in the Lord's presence, it might not always be easy, but it's good. Let me pray for us. God, today we are simply amazed of the invitation that you extend to each and every one of us to spend time with you. Whether we're young, whether we're old, whether we are new to faith or have followed you for many years, God, we thank you that it is your desire to meet with us in these moments. Lord, we look forward to what it is that you want to accomplish in our lives. We look forward to the ways in which we will discover the depths and the wonder of who you are. The power of the grace of God, the beauty of Christ, and the call that you have on each and every one of us. Lord, we would pray for spirits of boldness that we would enter into this time with our hands wide open saying, Lord, here is my life. Would you take it? Here is my heart. Would you speak to me today? We pray this in your name.